Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. This week, we are talking with Greg Klein, who is the president of Willie's Ski and Snowboard Shops, which is family-owned and operated with several locations in the greater Pittsburgh area of Pennsylvania. Greg and I talk about what brought his ski instructor father, Willie, to Pennsylvania. We talk about the ski scene at Seven Springs Mountain Resort, which I'm also putting on my list as a place I need to get to at some point. We talk about the key ingredients of a great ski shop. And honestly, Greg offers here one of my favorite descriptions of what a ski shop actually does that I've ever heard. And I think those of you who own or work at a ski shop or actually bike shop would do well to keep his words in mind. Now, we also talk about ski length and ski width. We talk about Willie's really impressive women's program. We talk about shop beer versus shop pizza. We're really hoping to make shop pizza a thing, so check that out. And of course, we talk about a number of other interesting things along the way. So this is another good one. Willie's is a shop that is really doing things the right way. And I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Now, just before we get going, I want to say another word about our upcoming Blister Summit. And fun fact... Greg is planning to be out at this Blister Summit. So you can listen to this conversation today and then come meet Greg. So yeah, no pressure, Greg, but you're kind of committed now. So, you know, we'll see you here. Anyway, we've got more information about the Blister Summit that is kind of rolling out almost every day. So you can check the links to the Blister Summit that we have in the show notes to this episode, or you can always find it on the navigation bar of our website. So check all that out. And more importantly, get yourself registered and come ski with me and Greg in Crested Butte at the end of February, 2022. And now let's go ahead and get to our conversation. Here we go. Well, Greg, let's get started by having you just tell us about the history of Willie's because it's a pretty rich one. Okay. Um, so we are 51 years this year. Our 50th anniversary last year didn't quite go on schedule. Uh-huh. Um, my father was an Austrian ski racer, came over from the United States. You know, When you retire, you became a ski instructor in Austria a lot of times. And my mom uh, was living in Boston and she was dating some guy and he, she was hoping for a wedding ring and he got her skis and a ski lesson. So uh, they got married, I think, in 64 and through the years of ski instructing and being a ski rep. And they wound up down in Pennsylvania and started a ski shop. Uh, in 1970, we moved to Pittsburgh and we had our first store there. Um, and we grew pretty quickly through those years. We got up to about five stores, um, you know, uh, built new buildings. Skiing was just going through the roof back then. Um, and then my brother and I came along. I was a ski racer. So I was one of those academy kids went off and came back. I raced for the University of Colorado and my wife. Uh, was my athletic trainer, and we came back to the business in, I think, 92. I brought her back from from Telluride, 
and uh, and University of Colorado. And we took over the business, I would say, about 20, 25 years ago. And um, but yeah, it's a family affair. My family, I still talk to my mom and dad every day about, you know, where we are with the product and inventory. And so it, it's it never goes away. It never goes away. So we've been around uh, just general retailer. We do uh, city city stores. We have area stores. We have giant offsite uh, preseason sales. Um, we have discount locations where we open up and kind of clean out the stores. Uh, and we are now making a push online. So hmm. we're a little bit of everything. Okay. There's multiple interesting stories in what you just said. And it sounds like we have two pretty interesting love stories uh, yeah. <laughs> in there in there as well. Let me ask you this. First of all, what is your father's name? My dad's name is Willie. Okay. Uh, I, I just wanted to make sure we had this, you know, good journalistic work here. This is the Willie. And this is the Willie. And uh, just a side note, my mom would not let me be Willie Jr. because one of my best friend's name is Little Lars and she didn't want me to go through school being Little Willie. Little Willie. Yeah. That's yeah, it'll give... be a problem in high in grade school. Yeah. So Yeah. I think uh here here's some mothers looking out for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, now back to this story about your father. Um, do me a favor and just clarify again this story with your father and mother, kind of the origin story there? So my mom was dating this guy. I believe he was an engineer and she was looking for, uh, uh, in those days you got a hope chest and then you got a ring. It was like modern day version of you get a dog together and yeah. you're looking for the ring. And she closed her eyes. She opened her eyes and the guy had a set of skis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wait, I like this guy. I want to. I want to. I might need to get him on the podcast. Well, but well, anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, th then my then I went on. My mom went on for a ski lesson, and you know, there's this Austrian with an accent and stretch pants and uh, uh, and the whole spiel. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this was Willie. This was Willie, uh -huh. yeah, the ski instructor. Gotcha. Another question is. The whole Pennsylvania story, you kind of glossed over that, but in hearing this, it might not be so obvious to everyone listening why this ski instructor would decide to go head off to Pennsylvania and then more specifically Pittsburgh. So you have to go back into, you know, the early 60s and skiing was only a weekend event and there were no ski shops or anything near the cities. So during the week, ski instructors would either be painters or whatever. And my dad had this job as an assistant ski rep and, and it was, you know, Northland's uh, skis, Hawkland boots, that kind of stuff. And at the New York ski show, my dad runs into this guy and, and he said, I'm looking for somebody to be a ski instructor. So in those days, the Mid-Atlantic was called the banana belt because it was just these you know, rope toes and, and a couple of things put together. But I have a ski school. I'd love for you to come down and run it. And my parents had just gotten married and got the offer for the ski rep job down here. And so they wound up at a place called Indian Lake which is right out of Shanksville. If you know Flight 93, that's right where it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, here's my mom from Boston. They get married and, and they drive in this car across the United States, have no idea, you know, and then they show up in this little A-frame. 
in in western Pennsylvania. And my mom remembers. She goes, it did not snow until February that year. <laughs> they showed up here. The guy's like, and here's your ski shop and you're running daycare and here's the ticket sales. So they ran everything. My dad did the lifts, you know, the works. So that's how we got into the ski business. Wow. Tell us a bit about the current ski scene in the area today or kind of how it has evolved up to where it is today? So Seven Springs is, well, around the Mid-Atlantic, we have very short hills. We are very dedicated skiers. You know, it's raining. That's not going to stop us. We go out in all conditions. Um, Literally, I'm in my store at Seven Springs and people will come in, you know, covered in a half inch of ice. And I said, how is it? And they said, well, you know, it's not as bad as you would think. You know, they're just literally dripping. So very dedicated skiers. Um, but there are a lot of ski resorts, Seven Springs being the major one, and that's where our store is, and Hidden Valley, Laurel, and the Wisp. And they're all, as you would expect, a local ski area. Seven Springs is a little bit unique in that the entire complex is under one roof. There's a 10-story hotel. Uh, they can sit 3,000 people at a shot for dinner at mm. one time. 3,000? 3,000. The whole resort is built around the kitchens, which are three stories. It's about, I think, almost a mile under roof, end to end. Uh, There's a 10-story hotel. There are three bars. There's a bowling alley, a pool, um, a convention center, festival hall. I mean, just, just not what you expect for a ski area, but this is where I grew up. And so the front of the mountain is about 600 and the, the long runs on the backside, I think, are 780 feet um, with the most incredible snowmaking system, uh, you know, around. They just have I think they have like 1500 guns that can go at one shot and a, a normal a normal Saturday before COVID. They would do up to 20,000 people on the slopes at once. And that's pretty that was would be typical. Yeah. A typical February Saturday could be 20,000 people on the slopes during covid. Our max was 12,000 because of restrictions. Wow. And of let's focus, say, on this kind of the typical 20,000. Where are these folks coming from? So we draw from, we are three, three and a half hours from Washington, D.C., Philly. I think the the number one time was within 10 hours, we were within some 60% of the population. Uh, so you've got Pittsburgh, you've got Ohio, you've got uh, Buffalo, Washington, D.C., Philly, Harrisburg. All these areas are within a couple hours drive. And... Um, and Seven Springs is not only a ski resort, it's a quite a, an amazing social place. For example, for for COVID, the, the management took all the windows out of the building. So everything was outside dining. You know, they, they literally came in overnight and took all the windows out. So it, was, it became an outside pavilion out of the ski lodge. Um, so it's a it, the Foggy Goggle is one of the most famous uh dive bar ski in ski out in the industry as as you would have like the mangy moose or stuff like that so it's a it's a the skiing scene is dedicated skiers i mean really dedicated skiers and snowboarders a great terrain park and uh awesome social uh uh culture Hmm. and so greg this is true to say that you basically grew up skiing maybe not basically like actually grew up skiing literally at Seven Springs. 
Is that right? Yeah. Well, at Indian Lake first, because I was, you know, we had our ski shop. That area is long gone. Um, in 1970, we had the ski shop um, in the city, but I grew up on skis. I started at, you know, when your dad's the ski instructor, this is how you babysit. So yeah. I started, I think, on 18 months, I was on skis and um, I eventually became one of those academy kids, went away ski racing and uh, got to travel the world, raced for the University of Colorado. My senior year, we won the NCAAs. And then, so they invited me back as the assistant coach and I met my wife. She was the athletic trainer that year. So no HR problems. (laughs) Well, you say quickly, that was kind of the second part of the love story that I didn't quite, we should say, I have not had a chance to speak to your wife. Our summit, Blister Summit director, Kristen Sinnott, has had a couple of occasions and Kristen just gushes about her. And that's actually something we want to talk about is you guys are doing some really, really cool things on the women's side. And I think we need to try to get Shearston on at some point to tell us some of that. But we'll settle for you for the moment, Greg. Tell us a bit about what has been going on on the women's side of things uh, with Willie's. So my dad and my uncle, who came into the business a little bit later, um, were some of the first people to push for women's graphics and women's skis. And they would, in the old days, you got special makeups and you can make up, you know, if you bought 200, 300 pair of skis, you could put your own graphics on it. And so we've always been pushing uh, women's equipment. It's 51% of the population. You can do the math. And my wife runs this thing. We started a couple of years ago called Winter Divas. And on Facebook, I think it's like 500 strong. And it's not only just a women's ski group, but it's a women's focus group. So like every Wednesday, my wife will bring in a company or do a presentation or have a like next year's product. What do you like with this? What do you like with this? What would you suggest with this? And it's not pros. It's just ladies, women skiing, getting out and skiing the mountain. And then we incorporate them. We host our own demo day for next year's product where we test all next year's product. And it is like unleashing hell's angels on the ski rep vans. And, and you know, they all these, the, the winter team divas all made pink armbands and they come in there and they will try everything. They will ask every question uh, so much. So we've had to hold them back. Their start time is after everybody else because it's amazing and they are so into it. So, you know, it'll be a raining day and 50 of them show up at the mountain. Wow, yeah, it's, that's very cool. Yeah, it's something else. It's it's really uh, uh, an amazing thing. And then my wife, you know, from that uh, uh, experience, she works on a lot of product councils with, um, you know, one with Technica and some others where, you know, from a retailer's perspective and from collecting information from just your everyday skier gets to go to a lot of uh, women's specific events. Hmm. How long has this been going on for this program? Winter Divas, I think is coming up on 10 years. Wow. Yeah. 10 years. I mean, really every, every Wednesday, all winter long. This is sort of one thing that Willie's has been doing to, I think, make the sport of skiing more accessible. What are some of the other things that you guys have in place or the programs you have in place to, to do the same? 
So like most ski shops, we have our junior uh, uh, programs, but our programs are slightly different in that it, they're, they're not a, it, it's what we call a junior buyback. So you can buy it and we will buy it back. If you need to keep it, it's super flexible. And it's very similar pricing to everybody else in the industry. The one thing that we do that's different is we have a program called five and under for free. And it's exa- exactly that. If you come in and you're under five, we don't check your ID or anything, um, you get the equipment for free. So everybody under the age of five, our goal is to plant trees we're never going to get to grow, climb. You know, um, So uh, you come in, you buy it, and then next year you return it. I give you 100% of your money back. And our goal years ago, we were like, we're spending all this money trying to promote the sport. And I'm like, well, what if we took all this advertising money and, you know, give it away in product? And it's taken off. And every year it's doubled uh, um, to the point that we're almost sold out again of junior equipment, size 70 skis. Um, Yeah, I just placed a couple more orders and every weekend it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's quite an investment, but, you know, it's skiing is about a family sport. No matter what, there's no sport in the world like it, because, you know, if you're a skiing family and as your kids scatter across the United States, as they will, and it's going to happen, a skiing family says, hey, we were thinking about getting a condo in January. Is anybody available? A skiing family is going to be there. I don't care if they live in Hawaii. If you say... I've got to be in Breckenridge. The family is going skiing. And so it's a lifetime investment sport. And that's one of the things that we really, really believe in. You know, skiers are tribal. And if you ski with a family, I can't name another sport that you do together, that you can go somewhere together. You can ski in different parts of the mountain, but you always come back to the central hub for food and talk about the day or, or, you know, the hot tub or whatever it is. And it's a, one of the best parts about a sport, uh, a sport of skiing and snowboarding, of course. And so let's stick with this again. I, this is really interesting. And so, again, the principle behind it, which you've just laid out, let's make let's let this be a thing that families can do together. Yeah. And the mechanism here is you have found that this program where for children that are under five years old, if you can and and help me help me figure out the right way to to present this if you can kind of remove that cost remove that short-term cost of this equipment to help families kind of you know get through those early years that then puts them in a better position and increases the likelihood that skiing is a sport that they will continue to do together as a family Absolutely. So, you know, if, if you take, you know, getting people off the couch, off of the TV and out into the fresh air, people are looking to engage and parents especially are looking to do something with them. And if you get a kid out and it's a sunny day and, and I do suggest, you know, if it's raining, don't take them out. But, you know, get out and, and the, the feel, the sensation on, of sliding on the snow one way or another is something that everybody can buy into. Um, and I mean, it's why we're here, whether we're doing it sideways or, you know, on skis, it doesn't matter. It's the sensation that drives us and it has zero to do with how good you are at it. 
Skiing is the only sport where your enjoyment level has nothing to do with your experience level, right? So, and, and once you get a family out there, it's, it's a lot of work to get to the slopes. You know, dad's carrying, mom and dad are carrying all the equipment. But once you dive into it and get hooked, um, you know, th- that's what we're about. We're about keeping the fantasy alive. You know, skiing, I always say, and I have a big thing that I go with my employees. I said, welcome to Willie's. You know, you, many of you are going to go on to be lawyers and doctors, very, very noble pursuits, but you're never going to have a job more important than working here. And they go, yeah, well, you own the joint. And I'm like, no, no, no. Here's the, here's the theory is my lawyer and doctor. I only call them because I have to. They call me all year because they want to. Hmm. You know, a ski shop is is the place where, you know, people call and say, hey, listen, I just got the new blister review. Um, could you tell me about this ski? And I'm like, uh, it's it's August as soon as I get it in, you know, <laughs> but but they they make all their money to get away from their life and go on vacation. We live this fantasy. You're like, what are you doing today? I got to go test skis, (laughs) you know? And and it it is skiing is a ski shop is the only place that I can come up with this. uh, A a 16 year old, I hire a lot of 16 year olds because I love the enthusiasm, you know, a millionaire walks in the store and asks him about a skiing and the sale goes, Oh dude, let me tell you about this ski. I had the best time last weekend. You know, it hooked up, whatever. But then, you know, name another place. A millionaire hangs on the kids every last word and is enthralled with the entertainment. I can't. I, I like that. Yeah. It really clicks with what you're saying. I mean, we, I will often kind of say around here, like, you know, we know that here at blister, like we aren't out there curing cancer. Yeah. But when people are like, you know, why do you guys go so in depth? Like, why do you sweat the try to sweat the details so hard? And the thing that I often come back to is when many of us are on our deathbeds and we're recounting some of the best moments of our entire lives. For some of us, a number of those best moments will have taken place on skis or on a board you know, on a mountaintop with friends. And so I think we kind of, and this is what I hear you saying, it's kind of just like, let's, we're in the business of making our best days as good as possible. And that's a different thing than, you know, handling important contract law or something, but it's, it's way more fun, frankly. And I don't think people are thinking about contract law on their deathbeds. No, and there's nothing. Those are noble, noble pursuits. Yeah, absolutely. But I think we have it backwards. And I think COVID's changed people's minds. You know, I I work at a ski shop. I sell skis. But I sell fun. I sell yeah, experience. That's right. You know, it's not the red ski, the blue ski. And and I am an ex-ski racer and I can go down a rabbit hole for days about equipment. But I don't sell my race skis. In fact, I I carry no race skis. I sell the skis that make everybody have fun and boots that, that make it comfortable and that kind of stuff. The The working in a ski shop is a... It's such an experience, and I really wish just so many people would do it. I keep on having, you know, we've been up to 350 employees a year. Over 50 years, we have several thousand former employees. Well, all their kids now and their kids' kids now are working for us. And, you know, they 
they still come back and say, you know, this is the best job I ever had. You know, you, you said uh, it was, you know, this is the most important job. I thought you were kidding. If you paid more, I'd be back. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you're a corporate attorney. I don't think I can meet your standard. But I have corporate attorneys that were at our kickball uh, tournament last night, you know, and, and they're retired and they've come back to work. Huh. That's great. That is great. By the way, you mentioned this kickball yeah. evening. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. say a word about that. So I have a group of reps and over the years, uh, we've tried a bunch of things, but every year they do their clinics in the day. And then in the evening, we do some event. And the last couple of years, we've we've done this kickball tournament. And so we divide up in teams. You know, I make the managers be captains and we divide up in teams and it just goes until uh, until the pizza arrives. And then it's dodgeball mayhem after that. <laughs> so um, we, we it's on a school night. So a lot of our kids, like I told you, are in, in, in high school, a lot of the newer ones. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. We, we do stuff like that as much as we can all winter long because we try and, and it needs to be the best place you've ever worked. You know, you can't, you know, if you look at a ski shop, this is your chance and you make friends and you get to go on weekends and you, you test equipment. We have a very big demo program where we want our employees not to ski on their stuff. I want you to go take the newest ski out this weekend and, and rate it. And, and so, you know what you're talking about. Um, skiing is a social event. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we have had marriages come out of our stores Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, it is an event. So the getting back to the, the kickball, it's just one of the things. Next month in November, we are doing axe throwing for the first time. So that should be. <laughs> yeah. You have me slightly nervous about that one. Uh, could could go great. Yeah. <laughs> could go could go sideways. I don't know. No, no, but I haven't seen it on the news yet that anybody's died at a at, axe at throwing it. party. <laughs> but we have been known to be firsts in the industry. So, okay, let me ask you about this. You are painting quite a picture about sort of the culture at Willie's, which I think a lot of people listening to this will find extremely attractive. How do you balance or what are your thoughts on how to create, as you say, just sort of the most fun work environment and the place where everybody wants to work and is proud to work at versus also just offering a very high level of performance and high level of customer experience and just being like really freaking good at your job. You know, part all that, it comes down to my job and, you know, other than being a buyer and, you know, I work the floor all weekend. Um, well, all week, don't really take a day off, but a week work the floor, uh, fitting boots and fit problems. You have to be the cheerleader. You have to be, Hey, this is great. Did you try that? Um, be engaging you know, it, it's it's one thing to, you know, sell stuff. It's another thing to live them. And you have to manage the people. And our philosophy is there's only two reasons they're not going over that product with the customer. They don't know or they're not willing. Okay. And I'm sick of these people, you know, th- this thing. People are lazy. No, they just don't know. And so I find the reason we hire 16 year olds right out, you know, as soon as we can is they're sponges. You know, the reps come around yesterday and the 16 year old is, oh, I got a t-shirt. I got the new Nordica t-shirt. It's awesome. 
you know, and some of my older veterans are like, oh, I only got a T-shirt last year. I got a hat, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it's the 16 year old's enthusiasm that you have to bring in. You have to blend into your stores. Um, and they go, well, they don't know anything. Well, of course they don't. You know, you didn't know anything when you started either. And, you know, you got to get the employees into it and, and, you know, me providing pizza and, and games in the store and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that's my job. I have a thing where if I walk in this store and I said, what time is it? You know, I'm wearing a watch. Everybody knows it. But the first employee that yells out showtime gets five bucks, you know, <laughs> and the employee and the customers go, what the hell's going on here? And, uh, uh, you know, it's stuff like that, that, that just makes you, Hey, it's not, if you had a bad day, I understand, but here we're taking care of their dreams. Man, it's such a good perspective, you know, because frankly, you know, you know it in the ski Mm -hmm. shop world, in the bike shop world, there is sort of the genre of the crusty or surly, you know, shop owner or shop staff, right? And it's a little bit too cool for school. Yes. And yeah. you're you're kind of annoying them by coming in with your, you know, newbie questions or intermediate questions. And that I hate that. I just absolutely hate that. And among our recommended shops, if we find that that's kind of happening at a shop, that's one of the quickest ways for us to say this isn't a fit. And what you just said, you're taking care of people's dreams. <laughs> That's a, I'm going to start using that. I mean, I, I think like if this is the profession you've chosen, that's exactly the right way to think about this. And, and I mean, the other way is, is you're not going to make it in this day and age. It's there's no enthusiasm. Here's the first litmus test for anybody that's, you know, runs a shop. It's the same sentence. I give a job to a 16 year old, uh, you know, he goes and tells his friend, Hey, I work at Willie's. There's the same sentence, but you can say it two ways, man, I can't believe you got a job there or man, I can't believe you got a job there. So which store do you want to be? You know? And so it all comes from character and, and, and uh, uh, personality of the store. You know, my managers have the ability to go and do special things and prize pack. We've got prizes that we give out. Hey, nice sale. You know, um, just, just, you know, Hey, thanks for being there. You know, give them a lot of attaboys, but also we want your input. You know, when we buy, we have a, a massive round table where Mm. it's literally knockdown drag out fight Mm. on. We need this boss. No, no, no. I'm, I guarantee you we can sell this. So that's, you know, that's one of the reasons we got up to 150 ski models this year. Huh. Uh, you know, we're a ski shop in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania. We, you know, we have 85 boot models this year, uh, 161 goggle colorways between models and colorways. You know, it, it, it takes a lot of work to curate all that kind of stuff. And that's because of the employees. No, no, no. We got to have that. Okay. Huh, man, I would love to be part of one of those round tables sometimes. That's, that's, uh, that would, that's kind of my wheelhouse. Like I, I love those, I love those fights. Oh, it, it, it gets, it gets into it because we get into not only the, uh, ski, how the ski ski is all the tune on the ski, because as the reps come around, they use, you know, summer X racers and they put such a hone on it and the skis all ski differently. 
and for me, you know, I, I'm an ex racer. I have an opinion. I certainly could do this all myself, but it's not a, it's not about what I like. It's what about everybody likes. And so it's great going, I didn't think I'd really like that ski, but it rocked. You know, you do listen to it and you're like, well, I got to buy that ski. Add that one to the list. Um, you know, and there's a ski for everybody. We've got one guy, uh, he's very slight build, but a very great skier. And then we've got another manager who, uh, his nickname is house. He's a bodybuilder. He's 325 pounds. What? Big, oh yeah. 325. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's cutting down. I think he's too, I think he's cutting phases. I think he's 285. I think he'd be upset if I said 325. <laughs> don't, don't get a guy named house mad at you, Greg. Oh no, no, no. And he, he, he's, he's wonderful. He's gentle. Yeah. You know, just a nice guy. Yeah. Um, but he works the area store and his co-manager there is Johnny and Johnny, I think is a quarter of his size, um, and is a snowboarder. So, um, everybody skis something differently, you know? And so it's, it's good for me. It's not good for me, you know? And so we have a knockdown, uh, it's, we call it the round table, but it's a big rectangular table. (laughs) I got to ask you this question. This is something that frankly, I have speculated about more than actually proven from experience. But you mentioned at Seven Springs, we're talking about some runs where the vertical, the amount of vertical might be in the 700 to 800 feet of vertical. Do I have that right? That's the max. One of the things that I have said repeatedly on Blister is that If I personally, and I think a lot of our reviewers might feel the same way, if we were skiing at ski areas that just happened to not have a ton of vertical, that we would likely end up skiing shorter skis. Because, you know, the question comes in, like, um, sometimes we get asked, like, why do you guys ski such long skis? And that's all relative, right? So this is all very, very relative. But I've just maintained that, you know, if you tend to ski in areas of the mountain where you can open things up a bit more, a longer ski will just be frequently more stable. And in that sense, if you like, you know, if you like some speed, it will then be more fun. If I was primarily skiing, say, short groomers, to me, it just is more fun to be on a shorter length of ski where I'm not making big GS turns, but I'm going to milk the vertical I do have a lot more. So long sort of question here, but basically I just like to see if you think, if you agree with that, if what you see and in your experience and among your, your staff, if you'd say, yeah, pretty much everybody is skiing a kind of shorter length of ski or some people just still like really long stuff and some prefer shorter stuff, but there seems to be no particular correlation specifically to like, okay, this isn't a mountain that has the most vertical out there. So it's not only, and and everything you're saying is dead on, except uh, uh, it's the problem with us as buyers and the industry. So it's not only the shortness, but it's also the water content in your mountain. You know, if, if you're skiing on hard packed groomers, you know, you need a narrower ski, a wide ski is very difficult on the knee, 
But we're Americans. We buy SUVs and never go off the road. So, you know, the most popular ski, you know, the Nordica Enforcer 94, um, my one of my uh, managers, Ben, who is just, you know, excited to ski every single day. Um, he just is going through this roof because he wants to get the new uh, unlimited Nordica 100. And I'm like, you know, out West, you have the ability with high speed lifts. And if you make that many turns, your legs will fall off by 11 o'clock. Right. When the East Coast, you know, with these short, shorter runs, you know, we have a lot of fixed grips. Um, you know, you can't do that kind of vertical in a whole day. So you want a shorter ski, be able to manipulate it more. But the industry is driving to wider skis, longer skis, because that's where the marketing is. Um, you know, I coach uh, ski racing on like Tuesday or Thursday nights and I have a 165 World Cup slalom. It is so fun to manipulate and put all these turns in. But, you know, in our demo program, I always try and grab, you know, one of the front side carvers as they're classified now. And people are like, oh, I want to try the mantra and I want to try the core. And they're like, OK, great. And I will give them, I want you to try this just on the outside, give them a rally or something like that. And they'll come back and they're like, that's completely different. You know, um, testing is, is trying different flavors. And they're like, well, I didn't think I'd like the watermelon, but I really do. Long answer to your question. You know, in our demo program, I can hand a ski and in two hours, give the guy another ski. So it, it works and I can test that. But they almost always buy the big SUV. Okay, but wait, even... After a demo experience where you have been able to nudge them and convince them like, hey, you know, cool. I'm it's cool. You're interested in this wider, longer ski. Try this skinnier, shorter thing. The worst sale that you can make in the world is if you give a customer that was great, but I wish I'd tr I had gotten my other thing. So if they're coming in, their friends are talking about, they've seen all the ads, all the magazines, you know, I've seen that 94 ski somewhere. And, it, you know, I first tried that and that was great because that's what they want to try when they're fresh in the morning. And, you know, we're just trying to give them these things. I would say not all the time, but I would say 75% of the time they're still buying the water ski because it met all their expectations, OK, you know, they 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 didn't go in to um, buy the new Chevy Tahoe and came out with a Corvette, you know, that, you know, they go in with expectations. What you're trying to do is refine all the different choices at that 94 and say, and just FYI, you know, and we're talking people with one ski quivers, um, you know, that I'm trying to show them the flavors out there as well as not only what you're looking at, but at you're a, you're a rider. You're not a driver in and in, in skis. Um, and I can explain that a little bit is there are people that are ski center back. And then there are people that ski center forward that are drivers. Riders are center back. Um, and, and you can categorize these people as they come in and they ski. And you're like, I like this ski. Then I will select a different ski. There are people that want to ski the mountain better. And there are people that want to ski the mountain easier. They're not mutually exclusive, but the, you you know, as you're picking the selection, you go with a softer ski, a stiffer ski, and it gives us a great opportunity to refine the perfect match for people. Well, I'm curious, Greg, are there a couple skis 
that are just kind of say your particular your particular favorite skis not not for your own skiing but that you just wish you could get more people to take out at seven springs or maybe you very successfully get people to take out at seven springs and they come back and are like i had a blast on this thing if, if you get into an 80 underfoot carver getting people out on that kind of ski um, like a rally, um, like a Deacon 74 or, um, uh, an atomic X nine. Um, now th- those, those are high performance skis. They have a lot of side cut and a lot of personality to them. Yep. And so, you know, the customer can handle it when you come in. I really don't have a set of personal skis other than the race skis I coach on because every time I go out, I grab a a new demo pair. Our demo rack is right. Our store is 150 feet from the high speed lift. And so I, I found when I had my own skis every week, when I come back, my findings were changed. The employees were taking them out. Um, So it always depends on the conditions. Is it, you know, I, uh, uh, is it a bunch of sugar out there? Is it, you know, just ice that you can read through? Is it, you know, it, you know, hero snow, anything. So I will try and I encourage all my employees to try that. So there are skis that I really like, and you know, the guys that can drive that type of a ski. Um, I'd love to sell more of them, but in, and I stock them because I love them. But in the end, you know, I always have to sell them at, at next year at a great discount. They they love them, but the marketing is you want the Tahoe, you want the Chevy Tahoe or whatever it is, the Ford Expedition. That's the industry right now. Even on any mountain, whether it's East Coast or West Coast, that has a high water content. You know, if you go to Sun Valley, they always have a high water content. They get powder. But a day or two later, it's pretty hard pack. And there's a great racing culture there. Um, but other than that, the inner, you know, you don't see the, the X9 wide body as being one of the best selling skis out there. Okay. So is it fair to say, just as a kind of generalization, you would like to see more people being open to checking out, you were less about specific ski models and mm-hmm. more about... Don't forget about the the magic that can be had on a sub 80 millimeter wide ski. There's, you, you know, you've seen the the movies coming out, Return of the Turn, the carve, the pulling the G-forces. That to me is the most adrenaline. You know, I've, I've gone out west and I can't tell you I've hit a powder day in the last six. I always get skunked. And when we test skis, when we're testing chargers, I always get powder. And when we're testing you know, big powder skis, I always get perfect groomer conditions. Um, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, but there's so much fun. There's so much technology in these skis and they're just a blast and they're just sitting on the shelves. Yeah. And my take on this is those sub 80 skis, they're not the most versatile skis out there, right? I mean, they're just not. And I mean, we, we spend a lot of time sort of trying to convince now if we're talking expert skiers Mm -hmm. you can take an x9 and make it work in moguls but don't try to tell me that that is a mogul ski right and and i don't think we're doing you can push back on this if you disagree with me by the way but i don't think we're doing intermediate and especially new skiers any favors 
by setting them up if, in fact, they are going to be spending a decent amount of time on Peace, but then a decent amount of time trying to figure out the whole world of moguls and pick their way through it, maybe with not a lot of confidence. And that's the part where I just want to try to, I don't know, bring more accuracy into the space. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, you shouldn't be sell- sending a beginner on an X9. An X9, yeah. Okay. You know, it's you can learn to drive uh, in a Ferrari, but, you know, that's you not can. really good. You can. Our goal is to get something that you're not you're going to get on with this performance level and grow into. Um, you know, and as far as, you know, when you're talking mogul skis, our moguls are quite different than yours out there. Any wide ski is not going to be a great mogul ski because of the torque on the knee. Any ski that has metal in it is not going to be a great mogul ski because metal eventually bends. And even though the ski's not bent in half, every ski has sheer breakage when you go skiing. That's just part of it. So moguls are not a category. If you're going to do that, you're going to get a K2 244, which is an old slalom ski and that has no metal in it. That I mean, that's what a true mogul ski is. So it's very hard to say, uh, you know, the 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 core 93 is a great mogul ski. What you're looking for really with customers is this is a ski at your ability level that you're going to be able to grow with. You're not going to get to the next uh, upper level. But as you have three or four years under your belt, you're going to decide what parts of the mountain you like the best. And that doesn't mean when you come in, I'm not going to try and sell you. You know, the Elan Ripstick is one of the most versatile skis out there. You know, you put somebody on that beginner to to uh, charger, they, they're going to ski it and they're going to like it. But the Brahma or, well, the original Brahma was, you know, that's a driver ski in my mind. You know, it's it's beefy in the shovel. Um, the uh, Black Pearl, great example, ski with a huge sweet spot where you can go from, you know, beginning level to expert level. So there are all those different skis out there. But if you're selling a charging ski with metal, which is what you were talking about before, you're doing a disservice because a lot of those people can't get forward in the boots. They're not wearing a a boot with 18 degrees of forward lean. They don't, they can't get into the shovel of that ski. You know, they can, they can, they can ride it tail back. No problem. You can ski any ski anywhere in the mountain. You know, that's the ironic part of an all ski mountain, uh, all mountain ski. Every ski skis the whole mountain, right? Um, How well it does is, is a different aspect. I mean, one of the things to say, and I just keep thinking about coming back to, you know, we're, we're, we're talking specifically about seven springs, but this would have um, applicability anywhere, I think, in the world where lots of people are skiing ski areas that don't have a ton of vert. Perfectly fine. And I opened by saying probably makes some sense to look at shorter skis. You countered with also probably makes sense to look at narrower skis and then as you were talking about, you know, you're making recommendations or suggestions sometimes, and then people still end up going to buy the wider ski, the quote unquote, more versatile ski. I can, I can see that unless they're at a ski area where it's like, you're going to actually spend the vast majority of your time at that particular ski area on piste. A lot of 
customers, they said, well, I'm going to be headed out west. So I've got this trip. And I'm like, absolutely awesome. You're like, I don't know if I should just rent out there. And so what you're looking for is a ski that you're going to be able to use, say, you're 80% at your local mountain and you've got two trips out west. You want a ski that's going to do both of those. And, and, and my thing is you want to take your skis out west. Here's the reason. You're always going to take your boots. But if you go out west, you're spending $2,000 on this trip. You don't want to spend the chance that it takes an extra day to get used to the new equipment. And if you get a ski that's just not to your liking or not tuned. So you're going to go out and take your equipment. So you need to buy for those two trips out west. So you need something that's versatile. And here's the thing is, if you get a day where it's, you know, Crested Butte and you just got 12 inches overnight, you're going to go rent a big powder ski, 100, 100 plus or whatever it may be, whatever your fantasy is with, with that stuff. But don't shortchange yourself at, at Seven Springs or the Wisp or, or or Hidden Valley. You know, don't 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 hold yourself back the rest of your skiing. Buy something that you can use for everything. And those front side carving skis, you know, you've got beautiful slopes at Crested Butte. Some of those front side carving skis are a lot of fun. And if you go back just 15 years ago, those front side carving skis are what we'd call fat skis. You know, so it's a matter of perspective. It's not, you don't have the Formula One for the racetrack, but it's a pretty darn good ski the whole way around. I want to shift gears a little bit here and just come back to the topic of like the city ski shop. Um, You know, I think that it might be fair to say, at least here in the United States, a lot of the best ski shops that have the best boot fitters, the best ski tuning. It seems at least like this is often happening in mountain towns, right? Kind of very close next to the ski area or whatever. I just wonder, I mean, you kind of are playing in both worlds. Like you are literally right next to a ski area, but you're also very close to a city. And I just would love to hear your thoughts on this. Like, I I mean, I selfishly for the good of the sport would love to see more good city shops out there. And maybe you have thoughts on this or, or maybe you think, actually, I think there are are quite a few or no, I agree with you. Like it's not, it's not that great of a situation, but I think if we had really knowledgeable centers where somebody who lives in, you know, a big metropolis could go, that might actually just be a very positive development for the sports of skiing and snowboarding uh, in general. What are your thoughts on that? And then what what do you think are kind of the ingredients? What needs to happen uh, to get better city shops? I'm going to disagree with you right off the bat here, because that's the perception that, you know, if you want if you want good boot fitters, knowledgeable guys, you go to the mountains. And quite honestly, they're the same kids you're hiring here. Uh, It has to do with your training. There are some awesome, awesome ski shops in the cities. And, And more often than that, those shops can are a little bit bigger and can afford better selection. They have the ability to stock more products. They, you know, it comes down to square footage. You know, if you're in Vail Village, the square footage to carry our kind of inventory is impossible. You know, you can't do that. And as good of a boot fitter as you may be, if you only have two models that fit that customer, 
your selection is two models. You know, uh, a lot of ski shops carry um, a, a giant selection. It Because you live next to the mountain doesn't mean you're a better boot fitter. Um, it comes down to the training and the time that you're allowed to experiment. Now, I work the area store all weekend and I primarily take care of fit problems. Okay. Or I've got, you know, I've got a bone spur or I've got, you know, more often than not, it's circulation issues. Um, so a area store is great. And our area store is one of the biggest ones uh, I know of. I mean, we just installed a, a brand new Montana robot in the back. Uh, it's 150 feet. We have 95 boots on display, 150 plus skis, uh, a demo program, you know, and just and four registers going full time. It your quality of store has nothing to do with the closeness of the mountain. It has everything to do with the training and it has nothing to do with the age of the person either. You know, you if you're out there and your employees are encouraged to try on every ski boot and, and work with kids and, and that kind of stuff, that determines how good of a um, ski shop or boot fitter. I personally jones out and i get to go to europe and i get to go into the race rooms and, and train and and grind boots and and work on canteen i mean that's that's what i love right from my ski racing background but it doesn't make me the best boot fitter what makes the best boot fitter is somebody willing to listen and go ah, i've seen this before um i just had one of the best customers and it was the last sale i made at our preseason sale and she had a unbelievably large calf, right? And she came in and, you know, listening to her story, I'm a cancer survivor and I'm going to treat myself. I skied last year four times in pain. I can't get the boot to close. So, so you can't help not love the romanticism about skiing. It's She's taking her grandkid out. She has two plates in her ankle. Just because I'm willing to work and listen and that kind of stuff, that's what makes you a great boot fitter or a great experience. Inventory in the city stores, in general, gives those boot fitters more options. And, and there's an exception to every rule. But I really, really hate this perception that uh, because I live next to the mountain, I know what I'm talking about. If that were the case, Alberto Tombo would be one of the best boot fitters in the world. You know, if if you're as good a skier, well, I know what you need. Well, no, I'm the only one with my foot in this boot. You have no idea how it feels. You know, it's listening, understanding, and certainly experiencing has a lot to do with it. But I will tell you, most city shops have a greater ability to have more inventory, more choices, and and as equally experienced people. Sorry, my my. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And I, I mean, basically, what you've just—I mean, yeah—I think what you've just said is focus less on geography, focus more on some universal qualities, right? That could be found anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Greg. I want to let you get going. Um, final thoughts. Final things we ought to know about willies, um, things you're thinking about or concerned about coming into this season. Uh, the floor is yours, but, um, um, before I let you, before I let you get back to your day, um, really, you know, just getting back to, uh, running a great shop. You know, our philosophy is people only shop 
elsewhere for three reasons, better service, better selection, and better price. And, you know, it's up to us to curate the best experience and not give them any reasons to go elsewhere, you know, and that's, that's, that's what Willie's is about, you know, uh, the best experience and trying to get out and just fulfill the fantasy. Skiing is the great uh, escape lever for a lot of people. And we just need to keep promoting it that way. Passion is infectious. And anytime I'm in a conversation um, with somebody where that just sort of oozes through, it's exhilarating. And I think, I don't know how anybody listening to this hour-long conversation of ours wouldn't be able to pick up and just hear your passion, your personal passion for skiing, your passion for creating uh, these ski and snowboard centers that are there to try to sort of evangelize other people <laughs> to get them addicted to the passion of these activities. Um, that stuff is great. And that stuff always I find really energizing and, uh, you know, kind of makes me want to go back to my own work, you know, with that kind of uh, with that kind of uh, injection um, to like keep at it in, in sort of what we have to do and, and, uh, you know, approach it with that same level of, of passion and, and, uh, you know, intention. So, uh, it's very cool. And it's great to learn more about the seven Springs area and, and what you guys have built over 50 years, uh, at Willie's. Yeah, it's, it's been a, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I just love working in the store every day. Um, you know, talking to the customers, being on the floor and, and, and the employees are really what make it awesome for us. And, uh, you know, uh, before we go, I want to say one thing about, uh, uh, the, the shop guys, cause they're the lifeblood of the stores and we never get into it. If you're out there and you love a store, go buy your shop guys, a pizza on a Saturday, you will be a hero and you will be remembered. And I will guarantee you, you get the best tunes of your life. So it, if you're out there. So this is an interesting one, actually, because normally we're always hearing about, you know, you're bringing shop guys, the six pack. You're, you're here that. to make the case for the shop pizza. So so here's the thing is, is you can't bring them beer anymore because the insurance people really, really dislike him. You touch, touching bindings with alcohol on the premises. But as these guys are jamming on a Saturday, we have customers that bring in crock pots, come in the back, plug it in, go, here's your stew or chili or whatever. You will be remembered for the end of days if you show up with a hot pizza or donuts and coffee, whatever it is. Don't bro out. Don't bring them a six pack. You know, they can't enjoy that while they're there. But if you give somebody a slice of pizza on a on a cranking Saturday or even a Tuesday, you will be immortalized. That is is how to get in. And I got to tell you, shop guys, girls are the lifeblood of our sport. You know, they 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 know everything. They do all the hard work. The tunes are cranking. It's it's one of the best experiences ever. Greg, if there is one thing that sort of happens as a result of this conversation, I would love it to be the popularization of the shop pizza. If we, if with what you've just said, if we can make that more of a thing around the world, um, I, I think I think we've done a good job here today. You'll get your skis waxed a little, just a little bit better every time. Guaranteed. 
Greg, thank you for the conversation and uh, for the thoughts and for, you know, your perspective on this. And this is this has just been such a fun series um, to get to talk to different shops from literally yeah. all around the world and just kind of get this collection of these various perspectives um, from different corners of the world. I, I've really enjoyed doing it. And um, again, when we get to talk to passionate people like yourself, it uh it just makes this really fun. So yeah. thanks a lot for the time. And and uh, please, from all of us here at Blister, please give a shout out. Go say hello to to your staff at Willie's. And um, yeah, I, I'm going to put it on my list. I've got a long to-do list. But, but to get in maybe someday, maybe I'll get an invite to the round table discussions. I would just, I'd actually just, I'll even maybe promise to be quiet, but I would just love to hear your crew kind of chopping it up. We, we can FaceTime it and time Ooh. it in for it. it Cause, uh, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you. Okay. <laughs> and it's an open invitation anytime, but yeah, it, it's enjoyable. Well, Hey, thanks again. Good luck with everything. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon, Greg. Thank you so much for everything. I really appreciate it. All right, it is time now for us to talk about what we are celebrating this week. Uh, it is Friday early afternoon, and I'm not going to lie, it has kind of been a hell of a week. Lots and lots of good things this week. Some incredibly exciting news that I'm going to be sharing with you soon. But we've been going hard, and honestly, we've been going quite hard for quite a while because, as you know... We've been wrapping up our massive winter buyer's guide. And so while there are many things for us to be celebrating at this particular point in time, I think mostly I want to raise a glass to the completion of another big winter buyer's guide. This is always a massive effort. I raise my glass to Luke Kappa and everybody else on our Blister squad for contributing to this thing and bringing it together. Uh, the feedback we've been getting on our buyer's guide has really been great. Somebody who works in the media world, whose opinion I trust very much, basically wrote me to just say, like, I don't know how you guys do this every year. It gets an incredible book you put out and I don't know how you just level it up every year. So that meant a lot because this is somebody who kind of knows the space. So yeah, to our team, congrats everybody on another big project and the completion of this. And for those of you who haven't checked out the guide, we'd love it if you would order the print edition of the guide. We think it's a book worth showing off. And uh, yeah, go ahead and get yourself a print edition of the book. Blister members, you already have access to the digital edition of the guide. So I know we've heard from a number of you that, you know, you've said nice things and it sounds like you're enjoying it as well. So all to the good. Here's to the completion of big projects. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Greg for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again on Monday over on our Blister podcast, where we will be dropping a really interesting conversation with Jackie Peso about a new film of hers, which is one of the most unique ski films I have ever seen in my life. So don't miss that. That'll be over on the Blister Podcast this Monday.
All right. Bye, everybody. Have a great weekend.